like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Among the musical revelations I had this year at the Great River Folk Festival, and you all remember that that happens in La Crosse the last weekend in August every year, don't you, is Dean McGraw. I knew he was important because his picture on the program was as big as and right next to that of Peter Ostrushko. What I found out is that Dean McGraw is magic on the guitar. One critic says, quite rightly, that Dean is a jazz cat and he's a folky and he's a rock star and a front porch bluegrass picker and a blues man, and, but you get the idea. I say that he's all that and much more, and I will guarantee you that he's bringing with him today such musical and spoken riches that you know you'll have to go to the NordenSpiritRadio.org site for bonus music and excerpts. But right now, Dean McGraw joins us by phone from the Twin Cities, Minnesota. Dean, thank you so much for joining me today for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark, and glad to have an opportunity to uh, talk about the music. It was really fun watching you and Peter Ostrusko at the Great River Folk Festival. That's always a great event. Now, I know you did music for a number of years together with Peter do you actually sit and practice long times, or it, how much of that is improvisation? How much of it is unique to that particular performance? Whoever I play with, there's usually, we make some kind of connection, and if we need to rehearse, we rehearse. But then, if we get to the point where we know the pieces together well enough, we leave plenty of room for spontaneity. And whoever it is, we rely on listening. One person asked me once, how I played so well with another of my colleagues. And it was a young girl, and her question was, how do you hear so far? And in that question is the answer, because it's about listening and about being sensitive on all levels to what's happening with the music. What's happening with the music happens from the individuals, and it combines in the air in vibration. When it's working at its best, it goes beyond the kind of identification with a certain person and just becomes its own entity. And the music plays itself. And I, as Dean McGraw, am just a grateful participant in the process, and not so much an ego or a separated individual. It's when we lose our identities into this organism, music, I'll call it, that things really begin to happen. 
And that's the way it looked from the point of view of the audience there at the Great River Folk Festival. But you've done this many times with Peter, so I assume that it, it was easy to know. You already know each other's musical topography. Do you improvise regularly within all of those performances? In that context, there's lots of room to create new sounds. So you could call it improvising, but the structure is pretty well set. And that goes for pretty much everybody I work with. You know what I'm going to do is I'd like us to get started right away on the music. There's so much that you do, so many different types of music that you do. You compose a whole heck of a lot. What would you like to start with? Well, Song of the Soul. So one of the things I thought of when thinking about what we talk about is, well, how do we get into the essence of things? So I kind of focused on pieces that were solo. This opening piece called Overflow is about joy because joy can be located in the soul, it can be inside, it can be outside. And the tune was specifically inspired by a really soulful dancer who is now my wife. And her name is Megan Flood, so I call the piece Overflow after the word flood.
McGraw is my guest today for Song of the Soul. That was his piece, Overflow, about joy. And actually, it's from his recording, Heavy Meadow. Meadow, like a place where grass grows or sheep graze or something like that. Exactly. And what do you mean by heavy meadow? So it's a play on words, obviously. So in other words, instead of just metal, we've got all the forces of nature. We've got the air. We've got the potential for fire. We've got water. We've got earth. We've got spirit. Heavy meadow. But it's also supposed to make people smile. My reaction to Overflow as I was sitting listening to it, it had kind of a sparkly, shimmering feel to it. And at certain points, there, there's a couple different spots in there where it felt to me like maybe the rain broke through and the sun and the rainbow appeared, and I felt like singing to the sky. Well, I love your reaction to Overflow. Well, give us some more of that music so we can experience the flow that you're talking about. Here's a piece. This piece was inspired by a colleague of mine, a wonderful guy, great bass player. Chuck Adams was his name. And he struggled his whole life long with addiction. And as we know, that's a terrible, very difficult struggle. A lot of my colleagues went through it. Just towards the end of his life, he figured out how to rid himself, how to accept that he was addicted and how to live a happy life beyond that addiction. That's a beautiful thing. Anyway, he's a wonderful guy. This piece is called Angel One. Thank you. 
album that comes from. It's called Foxfire. It's by Dean McGraw, and the song is Angel One. There's also Angel Two on that recording. Foxfire was released back in 2008. It's one of Dean McGraw's solo recordings. He's got recordings with everybody under the sun and their brother and sister, both. Really, you've performed, I think, with so many people. That one I was struck by when when I saw the name Angel and then I was listening to the piece, I was expecting something ethereal, and that's not what I got. I felt more heaviness through it. It was heavy, thoughtful. That's how I react to that song. Mm -hmm. Did you have to pull yourself back or maybe when you attach the name, you knew that the expectation was going to be it was ethereal, right? Yes, the expectation when you call a piece angel, people expect maybe the sound of harps or something in the clouds or a beautiful woman with wings. In this case, it was my friend Chuck who struggled and was a great artist but who was fighting off demons. So there was a darkness, so there was a heaviness to it. But he is an angel, and he was an angel through all that. And so there's a bit of heaviness to it. You did say that Chuck struggled with it up until the end where he finally got a hold on how to deal with it, uh, how to live without letting it maybe control him. But you speak of him in past tense. Yes, unfortunately, he is, he's gone. He's gone in the sense of he's left his body. He's, he's died, and I miss him. But he's still with us in spirit, I feel. So he's inspiring us all, all the people that knew him and all the people that felt his music. And that's true of so many of my colleagues who have passed, and it's still true of colleagues that are living, you know, very inspirational people. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's got their own difficulties to get through. I did want to say one more thing about Angel. The 
Candy Rat people, when I recorded that, they asked me, would I please allow them to put out tablature, written music, standard notation, and tablature so that people could learn some of my pieces. And they can even watch me play that one, actually, on YouTube. And I said, yes. And the Angel one was one of the ones that they put out. And there's all these nice recordings that these people have sent me of themselves playing Angel one. And what surprised me the most is I kind of think of myself as someone who's unique, But every time I get one of these private videos or YouTube videos of someone playing this tune, I can't distinguish them from me. So maybe I'm not so unique. (laughs) You know what I mean? They just play it beautifully. There's a very wise saying that goes, you are a unique and irreplaceable individual, just like every other person on this planet. (laughs) I like it. I do want to remind our listeners that you're tuned in to Song of the Soul. This is a Northern Spirit Radio production, and we're on the web at northernspiritradio.org. With more than 10 years of our programs for free listening and download, there are links to our guests. So when you want to get a hold of Dean McGraw, you can go through us. Because I'm thinking that you might not know that McGraw is spelled M-A-G-R-A-W. And you'd need to know that to type in deanmcgraw.com. There's a place on nordenspiritradio.org also to post comments. And we love two-way communications, so please post a comment when you visit. There's also a place for you to support Northern Spirit Radio. This is full-time work for me, and I receive invaluable production assistance from Andrew Jansen. So your donations are crucial. But even more important than supporting Northern Spirit Radio... I would like to see you support your local community radio station. They provide a slice of news and of music that you get just nowhere else on the American airwaves. And we really need that more than ever these days. So please start by supporting your local community radio station. Again, Dean McGraw is with us. He's out of the Twin Cities of Minnesota. I heard him at the Great River Folk Festival just in this past month. And that's a great event that you should make sure you put on your dining list. If you want to go and intake some music, that's a place to find all kinds of wealth. And Dean was part of that. And a lot of nice people, I might add. Well, you do live in Minnesota, though, Dean. So doesn't Minnesota nice come automatically? (laughs) Not always, but I do like Minnesota nice. I'll admit it. I like it. Now, you were born and raised in Minnesota, right in the Twin Cities, Your first instrument, I read, was connected with the military, the bugle. And some people don't respect, I think, military music, but your first instrument, I believe, was the bugle. And then you went to the trumpet, and finally, at the ripe age of 13, you came to the guitar. What kind of music do you start out playing on the bugle besides taps? Well, you're very close to reality, but let me correct one minor detail, and that is my first instrument was a lead pipe that I found at a construction site. (laughs) And I blew into it, and I could make sound, and I brought it home to show my parents what a cool thing it was at age eight. And they took it away from me because it had sharp edges, and it was, after all, lead. (laughs) So So my dad said, well, we'll fix that. And he went and bought for about, I don't know, under $10, a trumpet at Montgomery Wards or Sears Roebuck, one of those places, and brought it home. And, oh, I like that much better. So, and he played a little trumpet and bugle in his time when he was younger. So he showed me some stuff. And mostly I just would improvise, but then every now and then I might break out in reveille early in the morning or taps late at night. 
until there became a meeting between my father and some of the neighborhood elders. <laughs> and it was firmly established that I was not to play my bugle outside the house any time before 10 a.m., and my last taps had absolutely to be finished before 6 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> and it could only be taps. <laughs> But yeah, then they switched me to trumpet, and that was more verse on it. To this day, I wish I knew how to play the trumpet because I just love the sound of trumpet. But alas, it wasn't what I enjoyed doing. But I did find the guitar, and something about it really grabbed me. I went over to a friend of mine's house, and I said, Hey, Jay, Jay Bush is his name. Jay, let's go run around. He says, Well, maybe, but you got to try this. And he sat me down and put a guitar on my lap, and he showed me how to play the opening riff to the Rolling Stones' 19th Nervous Breakdown. And that was it. I was hooked. <laughs> hooked on a breakdown. Yeah, hooked on a breakdown. Hey, that's a, that's a tune title, dude. <laughs> Many of them. Well, you, I'm sure you'll have another recording. You seem to come out with a recording every year or two, at least. I mean, just they keep pouring out of you, and almost all of them are your compositions. Do you ever play other people's music? I do. I play other people's music a lot. But I don't... How much do I record other people's music? Probably a little less, because maybe you could say that I put out recordings of my music because I want to get it out there. And there's so much recordings of other people's music. It's, it's kind of already out there. That wasn't very deep. Well, let's keep going on your music. What would you like to share next for Song of the Soul? So, staying kind of on the theme of my wife, here's a couple of melodies that came to me while I was on tour in Ireland, specifically in a place called Carrick on Banau in County Wexford. I came into the town, and it was a really foggy day. Couldn't see in front of our faces. And it looked to me like the town was two buildings, each being a pub. <laughs> but there were houses, I guess houses around. They were hard to see. So I went for a walk in the neighborhood, which was dangerous because the streets were so narrow and you couldn't see. So I almost got homicided several times. But it was really quiet. And little by little, it came to my realization that I was walking within, I don't know, 100 yards of the ocean. I hadn't known that. But then I discovered it. the seagull sounds occasional water sound, just a kind of emptiness, the silence, a type of silence, and I realized I'm near the ocean, and I went over and looked, and there it was. Anyway, when I was there, I had a few moments to sit by myself, and I kind of picked up these melodies out of the fog that reminded me of my beloved, my wife. So it's kind of a medley of two melodies. The first one's called Foxfire, and the second one I called Gilnamona. Thank you. 
Foxfire Kilnamona is the two tunes that you just heard there. They're from the album Foxfire. When you want to track Dean down, remember to go to deanmcgraw.com. McGraw is spelled M-A-G-R-A-W. There's a link on nordenspiritradio.org if you forget anything else. Foxfire Kilnamona. And, you know, I'd, I've seen the name Foxfire multiple times, but I have no idea what it really is. What does it refer to? Foxfire is a mushroom, a fungus, that lights up in the dark. For example, first of all, that's pretty exotic, but do you know that they took Foxfire into the earliest submarines to light up, you know, the inside of the submarine? Because that- candles would consume oxygen at a high rate. Oh, I I have no idea. I guess I I don't know that I've ever seen Foxfire, although there's more miracles around us than we can possibly receive delivery on. Well put, dude. (laughs) All my dude statements, I hope you edit those out. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I'm not ashamed to be a dude. It's okay. Okay, yeah. And Kilnemona, where does that come from? Where's that word? So it's an Irish term, so Irish Gaelic term, Kilnemona. I think it means a pile of dirt or something like that. It's just a beautiful sound. A pile of dirt and a fungus, and this is inspired by your wife. No, take it easy now, brother. <laughs> Don't report that to the... To, you, gotta, you could get me in a lot of trouble. No, uh, it's a thing of beauty. If, if A mushroom that's iridescent, the light within shines out. It's a beautiful, beautiful image. And mushroom or fungus you think of something dead and rotting and sure you can think that way you can think of something that's dying giving life to something else or something growing something beautiful arriving from something that's decaying and that's inspiring me and then dirt in ireland is precious and beautiful and it usually is covered in green i don't know if people have been to ireland but i have and there's places in it that just talk about song of the soul You can stand there in silence and just be surrounded by music. And it also inspires me to remember that I went on a little trip with my son once, Dugan McGraw. He was about nine, and we rode in a little rental car around the western coast of Ireland. And there was a place in County Galway, in Connemara, where we went out to the sea. And the, the wind, which is, I love the wind, the wind could hold us up. We could lean our full weight against the wind, and it would hold us up. Speaking of stepping up to the plate, more music. Okay. One of the great inspirers of my life, and especially, I will say, the life of my family, and in particular, my father, was the activities and the life mission and the writings of Mohandas K. Gandhi. In fact, my father, when he came home from the Second World War, was trying to decide what he wanted to do with his life. And he couldn't figure it out for a while. But when he saw through tear-filled eyes that Mr. Gandhi had been assassinated, he realized he wanted to go into public service. And he wanted to make, no matter what he ended up doing, he wanted to make a difference in people's lives towards the direction of peace, towards the direction of not using violence as the first reaction to difficult situations, having relationships with people and the planet, I might add, that are peaceful. So Gandhi has stayed a 
a presence in our lives. Now, once again, the person, I wouldn't say he was perfect, but there's a lot to learn from that guy. And also, my father was a great admirer and a great follower of Martin Luther King Jr., who was inspired by Gandhi, amongst other people. So I had a chance to go into the studio one day, and there was a melody that I had written. And so I had discovered this melody while contemplating the relationship, people's relationship to peace, and who inspired us to be peaceful. And so I brought this melody into the recording session, and I had finished with all my other business. And I said, I'd like to try to put this melody down, simple version of this melody, and then play along with it as if Mr. Gandhi was speaking and his adherents, his followers, or the people that were witnessing his speech were responding, answering back to him. Or as if Dr. King was standing in front of an audience and making a speech and people were responding, accenting with sound what he was saying. So that's what I did. I was really thankful for the participation of the studio engineer, Tom Mudge, and that's what came out, Mohandas.
another piece of inspiration passed on to us via Dean McGraw. The song Mohandas, it's from his album Broken Silence. You can feel the wealth. I feel a resolution as I was listening through that. About two-thirds of the way through, I felt like the conversation response back and forth turned into a unity. Exactly. It's the creation of community, which is so difficult, I think. The creation of community. So his idea expressed from his heart, or the idea, or our idea expressed from our hearts, bringing us together in community. That was the goal. Now, you mentioned that your father got inspired by this after World War II. And I take it he was maybe a participant of World War II? Well, he was. He was in what was called the Army Air Force. He didn't see action. He was stationed in the Panama Canal, which they felt they had to protect as a shipping lane from the various Axis powers. But not much happened there in terms of action. So he wasn't in like the Battle of the Bulge. Was your dad a religious person? Yes, he was a religious person, but not in the sense of trying to force dogma down other people's throats. In fact, he found that repugnant. But he's a person who believed that if you have a central core of moral foundation and you try to do your best to stick to those principles, central, at least to his philosophy, and this is what he and my mother taught me, was kindness, being kind to people, being kind to yourself. I learned from you when I first approached you about being on Song of the Soul that you have some of your own spiritual practice. Meditation is something that you do and makes sense the way you listen to people and play music with them. What better way to find the harmonies and the central core? So could you talk a little bit about your own religious, spiritual identity and history? Sure. When I was a kid, I was anti-religious. I hated going to church. My sister tells the best stories of how I would get out of going to church. But mostly I was dragged to a congregational church. And I liked the stories about Jesus. That I was fine with all that. But kind of the separating us from them bothered me. And also it was hard for me to stay awake during the sermons. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of left religion and kind of left spiritual practice behind during the Vietnam War days. There were all kinds of movements that were critical of the way things are and the way things were, and I was caught up in a lot of that. And I kind of became an atheist, you might say. For a while, I would even say, I'm an atheist. Well, I switched to agnostic because of the atheism thing. It, didn't, it just felt like, to me, it's different for different people. To me, it felt like I was just being critical, and that's the sum total of my addressing the questions of life and death and existence. And so that wasn't enough for me. I needed to go farther. I found meditation, first transcendental meditation, and then Buddhist meditation. And that got me more into sitting in silence, I would say, and listening to what I could find, trying not to judge it, trying to accept what I was finding, what I was hearing. Then I had got cancer. In 2001, I was diagnosed with one of the types of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I had an experience with chemotherapy, which put me in remission. That's pretty challenging spiritually, because then life and death comes up big time, and suffering, and legacy, and all that kind of stuff, and 
what I've done with my life. So I spent a lot of time meditating and and one moment I was meditating and I was feeling extreme despair. I was in such despair that my skill level said to me, well, what would it be like if you just let go of everybody and everything and even your all your identities, what would it be like if there was nothing to support you? What would be there? It's kind of like, what would it be like if you just were at the top of a mountain and then just fell backwards over the cliff? That's the image I gave. So I tried to do that, and eventually I felt like, yes, I was falling backwards over a cliff. And suddenly, something came to me, and this is my moment of revelation, I guess you could call it, or it probably has some other categorization or words. But there was something that had been with me since I was a kid, and that had never left me, and was there for me, for everyone, and I felt not separate me, not talking about I as a separate or an ego, there it was in the middle, and it had a name, and the name was Jesus. And so I honestly accepted that that was it's unhip to be in, you know, was according to the stuff I said, you know, you can't believe in Jesus. That's what they want us to believe in, but that's what it was. And once I identified it, I felt this overwhelming sense of peace. And so I think that I identify that name with the feeling that I was feeling as a kid going to that congregational church. For all its difficulties and for all its failings, I was taught something and I was able to identify it. But I knew also that the word was Jesus and that I loved Jesus the teacher, but I wasn't going to use that to separate myself from other people or point my finger at other people. But it's us, not me. And I see in all the other traditions people striving to get to the same place. And I'm perfectly happy if they don't have to use the name of Jesus. And that meant practice-wise that I had to search for community. And that's the hardest thing for me because I, I don't know. It's hard community, is, community is always hard work. I'd say. So now I sit with the Buddhists over at Common Ground in Minneapolis. I sit with the Quakers over there on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Twin Cities Friends Meeting, and I go to St. Joan of Arc's Catholic Church, and that's where I find the space and the breath to look inside. And I sit at home, of course, and meditate at home. Thank you for sharing so deeply of that journey. It's wonderful to hear the texture and the flow of how someone finds that deep connection. Unfortunately, the clock ticks down. We've got time for one more. What would you like to share, Dean? So I know, inspired by my wife, Megan Flood, who was involved in the modern dance community, made her living as a modern dancer for years. Now she's doing other things. We met when we were doing a show that was created by Ruth McKenzie. And Ruth McKenzie was inspired by an epic collection of Finnish folk stories called the Kalevala. And she took a small section of the Kalevala and created a performance which included singers, dancers, musicians, and actors. And I was in the band, and Megan was dancing. And Megan played the role of the main character, Aino, A-I-N-O. Aino was a little girl who was out in the forest, an old 900-year-old wizard, Caesar, and wants to claim her as his bride. And he goes to her parents, and her parents accept the offer, but she doesn't want to be his bride, so she turns herself into a salmon and swims away to freedom. That's that story from the Kalevala. And that's the story behind I Know. 
by Dean McGraw. He's been with us here today for Song of the Soul. Again, I met him at the Great River Folk Festival. You'll find him a lot of places around the Twin Cities and beyond. If you go to deanmcgraw.com, and that's McGraw, M-A-G-R-A-W.com. Man, Mark, you are good at spelling my name. Most people aren't, so thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) So you can go to deanmcgraw.com or follow the link from northernspiritradio.org. Dean, it's been a delight to have time with you, to get to know you. Really, I sensed all of the stories underneath the wonderful melodies you have, the melodies that pour out of you. But I also really love hearing some of the words that go with those wonderful sounds. Thank you so much for joining us for Song of the Soul. Hey, Mark, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me and thanks for talking to me about it at such a deep level. Appreciate it. And this is I Know by Dean McGraw. We'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul.
theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song